Hello and welcome to the Meaningfulistic Podcast. I am your host, Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm asking questions about what matters to who and why in the deepest, most personal sense. This is an exploration to find deep meaning at the intersection of the secular and the sacred, the artistic and the scientific. I'll interview ordinary people who find creative, unique, and profound ways to live a holistically healthy life. The meaningfulistic is the both and of the yin and yang of what it means to be. In this episode, I get the opportunity to catch up with a childhood friend that has done a lot with his life. And it is through interviews like this that I am really grateful that I began this project because he has lived a very meaningful life and his love and passion for what he does has created a ripple effect across his family, his students, and for families on the other side of the world. What does it take for a student to hold on to their teacher and say, thank you for being my dad? This is episode five, Meaningful Teachings with Jaime Moreno. So today, I have the opportunity to speak with a very good childhood friend who was, I guess, very kind of quiet, you know, inconspicuous, um, kind of blended in easy. He was a bit of a class clown. But when you're in middle school, high school, you never know what that person next to you will grow up to be one day. And my good friend has incorporated who he is, what he believes in, what he cares about with what he does for a living. I would like to introduce my good friend Jaime Moreno to the Meaningfulistic Podcast. Welcome, Jaime. What's up, Gabe? How's everybody doing? <laughs> Great. Out there in, in podcast land that is listening. Yes. Uh, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this the other uh, whenever you had mentioned this. Did you you went to Head Start, right? Because I think our I think our knowledge of each other goes all the way back to Head Start. No. For sure it goes back to for sure it goes back to West Side Elementary. I was in Southside. Were you so, in Southside? So I, I met you, it had to have been sixth grade. Same church though, right? Yes. We grew up in the same church, which same was still church, yeah. very small. So we we knew very everybody. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's where I met you that's being an yep. altar boy. That is correct. We were altar boys at the same time. Yes. At the old St. Thomas Aquinas Church in uh, the west side of Angleton, Texas. The main streets. <laughs> the first one's in, in uh, Peach, I think is what's yes. the, the address. Is. The, yeah. the, the wrong side of the tracks. <laughs> this is correct. This is correct. This is correct. Um, so tell me uh, very briefly your, I guess, uh, work history because it all has a continuous line i would i would yeah. say yeah mm -hmm. um so out of high school um uh took a year of like trying to figure out who i was um eventually got married to my beautiful wife we've been married 21 years is that right going on 22 in may always confirm uh, always confirm yeah. um i i try to go to school out of high school, it didn't really work for me. I wasn't really ready for it. Um, 
she was a driven person and it helped me to like figure out what I wanted to do. Uh, so she went to nursing school and when she was wrapping up her nursing school, I told her I was ready to go back to school. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And she convinced me that I should be a teacher. Um, not for any other reason other than originally it was like her nursing, somebody had to be home with the kids there a little bit more consistently. Um, and she knew that I liked to talk. I loved history. So she was like, you should be a history teacher. Um, and that kind of led my weird journey into going back to school, which I didn't enjoy when I was in school. Um, mm -hmm. uh, uh, I did an extra, I had, I don't know if you remember this, but I had to do an extra year because I essentially dropped out for all intents and purposes, I dropped off my junior year. So I went back, uh, didn't really, didn't graduate on time. I had to spend another year at high school. Um, what I enjoyed were the people that were in high school. I enjoyed the teachers, I enjoyed the friends. I didn't enjoy school um, at all. And then uh, my first job as a teacher was back at my old junior high, at the old junior high in Angleton. Uh, I taught history, coached football, basketball, uh, did track tennis at some point when I was in Angleton, did that for three years, um, worked in Alvin ISD for five, and then I took a break. I had about eight years of teaching and I needed a break from it. And that led me to an amazing group, a nonprofit group by the name of True to Life Ministries. And in that job, I worked one-on-one -on -one with high school kids who were at risk. And then uh, I did that for two years at Brazosport High School in Freeport. I fell in love with the campus, honestly. And then um, I've been teaching there ever since. This is my sixth year at Brazosport total, fourth year in teaching. Uh, I don't teach a subject that I really love necessarily, but I don't do it for the content matter of it. I do it for uh, working with the amazing group of kids that I met originally there at Viewport. Uh, as, a, as a case manager, I met some amazing kids. I had some deep, deep conversations with kids I never thought I'd have. My very first conversation with somebody who was trans was at that school. And <laughs> I, it was eye-opening, yeah. And so I, I wanted to stay at that campus because I love that campus. Um, I currently teach, uh, my content is uh, education and training. So that's people who want to be in education. Okay. Um, I, also, I also do PALS, which is like a peer leadership group and I coach soccer. Um, but yeah, man, that's, that's, that's been the, the post, you know, work history. Um, it, there's been a lot of like weird, you know, amazing things that happen. Um, I, I got the opportunity this August to go to a college graduation of a kid that I've been mentoring and working with since Angleton, since I was at Angleton. Um, and I cried when I got the, and when she called me, I got, yeah. I, I held it together while we had the conversation. I got off the phone with her and I, I couldn't stop crying because I was like the kid that I've known since she was 12 years old. Yeah. So and tell me more. I think that was. So this was the student that, that you had in, in, a, in as a coach, or you were coaching? Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I taught her, um, I had a, I, when I coached, when I coached in Angleton, I did football, I did girls basketball, and I enjoyed coaching basketball way more than I did football. So I actually had an outside group, a, a select group of seventh, eighth grade kids. And my third year of doing that, she was new to the area. She came from Oklahoma or something. <clears throat> and um, she tried out. She played that year. She tried out. Um, she made the team. She was a great little player, but she was like undersized and like slow. Mm -hmm. And so 
I ended up doing some like one-on-ones with her to get her better at, you know, playing basketball. In that time, um, what essentially happened when that relationship was it went from coach to mentor when she was in high school. I still checked on her. I, we still worked out one-on-one a lot, uh, but I would go to games. I would critique her as a coach. And then going towards like her junior year, um, she had a lot of like issues happening at home, a lot of mental health issues. And so we just talked and it became more of a mentorship. You know, her junior, senior year, we would talk about life. We wouldn't talk about basketball. We wouldn't talk about grades. Um, and then it kind of turned into more of a like uh, uh, parent uh, when she went off to college, there's a lot of questions that were happening, a lot of things that were going on with her parents, her mom and her. And her mom called me one day and was just like, I need you to be a dad for her. Wow. And I was like, dope, I'm on it. And so we talked and we would communicate and, you know, I would always give it to her straight. Like I didn't hold punches. Our relationship was that, that I didn't have to hold punches. And so I would tell her what I thought. Like, you know, this ain't working for you. You should do this. You should try to do this. You should get out of that. Um, and yeah, like she, when she, like I said, she called me and I had the hope that I would get to go, but with COVID, whenever COVID happened, most universities, when they do graduations, they limit the number of people that could go. And so I knew she had a limited number of people. Yes. And so she called and she said, <clears throat> I have eight tickets. And I was like, oh, man, I'm not going to get to be in the eight. And she was like, I have one more for you for sure. I might have one for Rosanna. Would you come? And I was like, I held it together as long as I could, for real. Like, I was like, ah, bite my lip. Um, but I was like, yeah, I'd, I'd love it. It'd be an honor. And like I said, I, as soon as she hung up, I was bawling. Um, because for me, it was more like, this is a kid that I've known for six, seven, eight years. And, you know, she thought of me to be at that big moment for her. Um, she could have chosen anybody else in her family, honestly. Um, and it was literally her, her mom, her stepdad, stepbrother, and her dad, and uh, his his wife and his uh, their kid. And I was a part of that, and it was dope. You know, I did. It wasn't a grandmother. It wasn't an aunt. It wasn't a best friend. Like I got to be in that spot, and it was really an amazing, an amazing thing to to you know be part of. For her mom to say, I needed to step up and be a dad. You had already blended, or outside, I guess I would say gone outside of that, like you said, coach, mentor, right. then right. jumping into that inner circle of what somebody would call their father, or their family. And like you said, for, for her to invite you to her graduation, that's an amazing testament of, of your presence, yeah, of, of willing to... Uh, like you said, go to those deep questions and give advice to yeah. um, love. I mean, yeah. it is it is love. Um, you say it. You say I love you to right. the students that you teach, right? And hundred percent. I think what's what's weird is, um, especially in sort of the the climate that we're in right now there's this viewpoint that teachers are only just supposed to teach the content and they're not, that's it. Like our job isn't that, that's all it is. Mm -hmm. And in the 14 years of doing this, the thing that I'm really good at is not content. <laughs> I love history, but I wasn't a great history teacher. I love teaching kids about education, but I'm not a good education teacher. I'm a good person that what happens in education and what happens in school is that a lot of these kids need 
an adult to not baby them, but to treat them like a human being. And what I am great at, there's this thing in education where it's like, uh, you know, relationships, uh, rigor, and like all these other words that they use that are like, oh, how are you driving the content? We got to get test scores up and blah, 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 blah. Bro, kids don't do work unless they care about the teacher. And if the teacher doesn't care about them, they're not doing a damn thing, mm. nothing. And you can't make them. And in order to be a good teacher, you have to be able to build relationships. And honestly, man, that's the one thing that I'm, I know I'm great at. I'm not mm. a good content teacher, fam. I'm not, I'm a great person. And I'm a, like, I'm not even trying to boast myself, but like, I'm good at relationships, fam. I, she is not the only person that I keep in contact with that I no longer teach. Mm-hmm. I, there's a lot of kids that call me. There's a lot of kids that'll just check up on me. There's a, I had a kid the other day, it was her birthday. I forgot it was her birthday. And I texted her, I was like, it's your birthday, right? And she's like, Marina, I've been waiting for you to text me all day. <laughs> I was like, Terrace, I'm sorry. Uh, My bad. And we, uh, I ended up FaceTiming her and we talked for like 30 minutes just to catch up. She's at U of H or she's at UT. It's her first time really being by herself. And so I was like, how you, how's your classes going? Like, how, where are you at? Like, what are you doing? Like, who are you hanging out with? Like, are you, do you need anything? I got people over there. Like we need a connection, whatever, whatever. And, and that happens often. Um, because I think, I think in order to do this, well, you, like I said, you, you can't, you can be the best content teacher in the world. It doesn't necessarily equal test scores going up. It doesn't equal grades being great. It doesn't equal any of that. Oftentimes it equals you're great at your job. You look great on paper, but you're not the best teacher on that campus. It's just what it is. Like you have to be able to build those relationships with people. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's pretty amazing. Um, and, I, and I picked up on that because you said like you were, you, you transitioned pretty quickly away from that history class when you were when you were assessing those um other students the the, right. the where was that at again that was in Brazos that was school? at Darren Lake Jackson that um with True Life Ministries and I worked at Brazos okay. High School yeah it was and, cool I had a little little bitty office um I got to pull kids one-on-one have 30 minute to an hour long meetings um it was hard um I think part of the reason why I didn't stay there, honestly, was because it was um, emotionally and like mentally draining. Um, uh, At-risk students are not the students that hit the top 10% of the class. They're not the top 50% of the class. Most of the kids I dealt with were kids that are barely passing and had giant stories, right? Like we, there was a kid that we met um, in that program that whenever we finally got all of her files, her files were about like a foot, like legit a foot of just information, 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 information. Turns out this kid uh, lived in in Louisiana, post Katrina, she was a baby. Her mom moved to Houston and her mom became a prostitute. There was a time period in her life where she was not in school because they were homeless. And so I had a conversation with her just to figure everything out. Like, what school did you start at? Where did you go next? What did you blah, blah, blah. And this was a kid that just wanted to tell her story. And she told me straight up, she's like, you know, Marino, I was, I'd be in the, in the car with my mom while she was turning the trick. And I just had to turn around and play color, a coloring book or do something while she took care of money. Like, I was like, what? Yeah. She's like, I, yeah, there's, it was common for me to be left at somebody's party at grown adults. And here I am 11 years old with a bunch of grown adults shooting up. And I'm like, this is wild. 
that like that's the type of kids that we were dealing with in this in this world there were plenty of days I came home crying dude because it was just like I can't believe this kid is even in front of me fam like this kid wanted to graduate high school that was her goal she's like I want to get a diploma that's it mm-hmm. I just want to get a diploma and I want to do so in my life and I'm like well first off you're 17 years old and classified as a freshman but we can figure this out and get you where you need to get to whatever it takes like if you're willing to put in the work like you have you have a support team here and that was common for me in that role is meeting with kids that just came from absolute nothing. All I wanted to do was like have somebody care about them and graduate high school. That was it. That was the goal. They had nothing past that. That was their plan. And our job was to get them to where they needed to get to so they can be where they needed to be and be successful, man. It was an amazing job. I don't know if I could do it again. It was hard, but it was dope, man. Like being able to work with people like that. I tell people all the time, if I could figure out a way to make a lot of money mentoring, I would do it and I wouldn't teach a day of my life again, <laughs> straight up. Because I think there's people, there are young people who need, uh, they need people to be on their side and they need people um, to just care about them, to want to succeed. I think too many kids nowadays, I think they, they, you know, they see success off of a social media platform and not in real life because they don't know what that looks like. And so like, that type of stuff is what I'm talking about. I'm trying to be that person, if I can, to help them succeed and get them to the next level of what they need to do. Do you think, like like you said, social media, that this influence, do you think they're picking up on maybe inauthenticity in their teachers? Or do you think they're kind of more checking out because it's not interesting, kind of short tension span, all those? I mean, I, I don't want to lump every student together but you, right. you mentioned social media but what other kind of thing and you also mentioned the uh, the concern of the teacher for the students like they have to be fully invested right. um right is there any other thing that would maybe connect or maybe that from your experience that some teacher may be picking up on but is not actually being able to describe what that missing component of caring that makes Man, a student a care question. Yeah, that's a good question. I think I think authenticity is probably the number one thing. You you can't kids can read people better than adults can. This is my opinion. They know when somebody's being real with them and they know when somebody's doing it because they feel like they have to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like a kid will pick up on a teacher or anybody in the schoolhouse, administrator, whatever, counselor, whatever, it doesn't matter, if they feel like you're checking a box. If they feel like you're checking the box, they're not going to do anything for you. They're not going to work for you. They will if they care about their grade. 10% of the building is going to care about their grade because they have their future already planned for them in the sense of like they know they're going to go to college. They need to get scholarships. Right? 90% of the school of the school building of students want authenticity in the adult that's talking to them. They don't want fluff. They don't want to feel like they're being, you're checking a box. If you say, I care about you, they want to know that you genuinely care about you. And kids will test adults <laughs> all the time because they're good at that. They will test you all day. Like if you yeah. say, you're like, if I tell a kid, I'm going to get him a bag of chips, they'll be like, where's my chips, man? And I'm yeah. like, I need to get you your chips, homie, because you are, you know what? You're right. I told you I was going to do that. I need to do it. But like that authenticity is important, man. Like, and I, and I, I feel the same way too. I've, I've done a little bit of adult mentoring before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think what happens is if, you know, if they don't feel even adults, if they don't feel like the person is 
talking to them is real and they're not they're not authentic they're gonna see through it and so like that's the number one thing with with, with students they need to feel that concept i think i think beyond that it's kids don't like to be talked to they like to have conversations with mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah or like talk to um talk to right they don't kids don't like that kids want to have a a genuine conversation a 14 15 year old kid has probably seen more than i did when i was 14 15 years old so the reality is they don't need sugarcoating they don't they want to have a real conversation i think a great a great mentor a great teacher a great you know a person in in a youth's life in a young person's life can have good meaningful conversations and and i think that's what kids want they want to have those like really good I do the same practice with my own children, right? When my kids are being not where our expectation is, we have high expectations for our kids. If they're not meeting it, I'm going to tell them straight up, like, hey, man, you know you can do better than this. I need you to do better than this. And those conversations are better than me being like, oh, come on, son, you got this. You can... They don't want to hear that crap. They want to They want to know whenever they do good, they want to be praised. Every kid wants this. But they also want to know when they're not doing good. And they want to be corrected on it. Yeah. So that's, you got to be able to talk to them like genuinely, like yeah. another human being and not like, a, uh, not like you're the authority and they're the, the inferior concept. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's funny when you, when you were talking about um, the kids challenging and also resonating with a teacher that they see as, what they see as being authentic. It reminded me of just this image shot in my mind from when I was, I mean, sixth grade, probably. And uh, I don't know what I got in trouble for, but I got in trouble. And I was at, this was at lunch and I had to sit at the trouble. You got in trouble in the class before, the so table. you got to sit by yourself <laughs> yeah. at this table. And so I, got, I, I, I just stood up and the, and the teacher was like, sit down. And I'm like, I'm not sitting down. He's like, go get your food. I'm like, I'm not getting my food. I was that kid. And this was just one yeah. time. Right. Right. And, and then um, this other coach, it was the track coach and he came up and he saw me, he goes, you're, you're supposed to sit down. Right. And I go, yeah. And he said, if the teacher told you to stand up, would you sit down? And I was like, damn it, you got me. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, That's I would have because, yeah. because I was a little tough guy. Right. I was, I was, I was right. just being stuck. You know, trying to find for no reason, for no reason, because I was, and and but but he said that to me, and when he said it to me, I was like, that guy's good, he knows. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, if he if he would, and he wasn't even my my, uh, you know, my teacher, but if he had talked to me some more, you know, and which later on, like I said, when I was in track, I talked to him a little bit more, um, right. And so, yeah, I respected them for at least saying, you know, I know what you're doing. You know, you're not clever. Yeah. But like you said, it's like you could, right. you could do it if you really wanted to. You wanted, I mean, come on. Right. Not that childish grow up, you know. Um, what's funny about that is um, th- there's something that happens whenever an individual coaches that they're able to get to that level. And let me explain why. And I think this will make sense to you. I can remember two people at Angleton High School when we were in school that made a difference to me because of the way they talked to me 
mm-hmm. and the way that they treated me. It was Coach Smith who did algebra and algebra two. And it was Coach Wright who was a football coach and also did uh, health. And both of those individuals like would not pull punches. Mm-hmm. And I loved it because at the time, you know this, whenever my dad passed away in high school, I needed people, I needed a dad there, right? I didn't have a dad anymore. My dad passed away. Didn't really have anybody in my life that was that dad figure. So like Coach Smith and Coach Wright did not hold punches. And I needed that at that time. And I loved it. To this day, if I see Coach Smith, if I see Gordon in the streets, I'm going to go and give him that dude some love. I'm going to go and hug him and be like, man, I, I appreciate everything you've ever done. Because he would tell me straight up what I needed to hear when I needed to hear. And I think that type of like real conversation is what gets, I'm telling you, man, that's what gets kids who are looking at their life and probably saying, this is not even worth my time. The, those kids that will turn it around and eventually graduate and do something with their life, it's because there are people in their life that decide, I'm not gonna let this one fall through the cracks. I'm gonna yeah. do something about this and I'm gonna have that conversation with them. And I'm gonna tell them straight up, you can't do this anymore if you want to do something better than you have right now. I'm telling you, man, Coach Wright and Coach Smith were those two dudes for me. Like they straight up told me what I needed to hear at that moment. Miss Mickey, God rest her soul, was also another one that didn't sugarcoat, man. I was in my fifth year. This is my second time attending English four. And she straight up told me like, what are you doing here? Why are you in this class again? And I was like, oh, I'm an idiot, whatever, whatever. I just didn't bother. She's like, you can pass. This is easy for you. This is not a big deal. Just do the work. And I was like, you're damn right, Miss Mickey. I should probably do my work and I shouldn't be playing here anymore. I should need to get out of here. Yeah. Those type of people, like, you know what I mean? When you have an adult, when you're that age, 100%, like, you need that type of conversation. I'll say it like this, and this, I think, will make sense. In my own children's life, I know that they will listen to what me and my wife say to an extent. We have done a, a very purposeful job of finding people for my kids. My okay. oldest son had a person for him that he could go to and have conversations that were deep that he couldn't have with me. My youngest son, Joaquin, has a person, right? And I trust that man and his wife to tell him what he needs to hear whenever he won't hear it from me. It's the same concept, right? And I feel like we're doing a pretty decent job as parents, but like when a kid has no one, when a kid has no one, they need someone. And sometimes the people that are the someones are the people that are in that building that they go to every day. Honestly, I never thought of that. I've never heard of it, but it makes complete sense because I probably had uncles that I looked up to and I would probably talk talk to more or or say things to that I probably wouldn't, that I would not know would it tell my dad. Right. Right. Um, But again, it it was not like my my dad was saying, go talk to your uncle, you know? Right, 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 right. uh, as far as like role models goes, you're right. I didn't have any. I don't even like the word role model because I'm like, yeah. who do you, who, why are you expecting me to act like I'm somebody else? Um, <laughs> right, right, right. You know, I like, I like, you know, I like the concept of a hero. Like I can, right. I, you know, there are certain heroes I could emulate, like, okay, certain aspects of this guy or certain right. aspects of that guy, but I'm not going to say I want to, like, you know, if you ask a kid who was their role model was back in the, Back in our age, it was it was a uh, Michael Jordan. I mean, right. That was your idea of a role model, right, know, right. But um, back to like uh, that concept of somebody that you approve of, 
that you right. are you're depending on to right. co- co-parent your yeah. children and be there for them as a mentor is pretty i guess it's pretty smart pretty re- relevant and uh i don't know where'd you hear about it where'd you think about it you just developed this concept uh i what a great that's another good question i don't i think a lot of it has to do with and this goes probably for my wife and I'm, I'm speaking for her a little bit, but, you know, my mom did an amazing job raising us. Um, but again, same concept, but there wasn't people in there. And my wife, on the other hand, I think she had a really, in comparison to my childhood, hers was like way more horrific. Mm. And so like, I think both of us kind of felt like in order for us to do this right, I want to take the things that my my mom did amazing at and my dad and his time that we were together, what we did, and I want to enhance it. And for her, it was more like, I don't want anything like my childhood for my kids. I refuse that. And so like what happened was we met people through whatever the circumstances, right? So the first person that I can think of that was this person for our kids was my sister. And both of them go to her mm-hmm. and have real conversations with my sister. The next after that, what happened was we finally found a church that we liked mm-hmm. and developing the relationship with people in the church. We found a really amazing family that uh, his name is Lane and his wife's name is Donna. And he's a farmer. He's a hardworking dude. He owned a couple of businesses here and there. Uh, Donna was the, the bookkeeper for his for his businesses. Um, and we saw what they did with their kids and we thought they were great. So naturally I, we felt connected to lane and jp for whatever reason my oldest one connected with lane who was way older than all of us like grandparent age and that was his person and we when we started seeing this happening mm-hmm. we would have conversations with lane they'd be like hey man this is what's going on maybe you can talk help us talk to jp and he'd be like on it i'd go he'll go pick him up take him to dairy queen they'd eat a blizzard they'd have conversations same sort of thing happened with um, his son-in-law, Justin, who is Joaquin's person. Justin was a, a student minister. He did, he did student ministry. And we, we, as me and Rosanna, just naturally just fell in love with this dude. He was an amazing dude. His wife was fantastic. Um, and his wife was Elaine's daughter. And so it just, that sort of naturally occurred. But in that same token, anytime that, that we feel like Joaquin's not hearing us, We'll send a message and just be like, maybe you need to pull, maybe you need to take him to your house for a little bit. Just talk to him. Or Joaquin will say, Hey, I need to go talk to Justin. And we know that if he says, I need to go talk to Justin, he really needs to share something that's important that he maybe not needs to figure out how to say to us, or he's not ready to say to us yet. But the reality is it just kind of happened organically. I, I will add to that. I think that in my profession that I have, I've realized the importance of having another person. A vast majority of the kids that I work with come from, uh, they're not, you know, they're single parent homes or they're divorced homes. And so like oftentimes because of that trauma that happens in their life, they struggle to speak to people. And so for us, it's been like, if, if I can have, if I can get a village of people to help me out and it raises an amazing child, who am I to argue over that village? You know what I mean? Like I shouldn't put up barriers as a parent because there's other people that can reach my kid better than I can. It's the village concept. You know what I mean? Like it takes everybody to raise these people. So, I mean, 
have them. If you can help me out, man, like help me out. I mean, that, and that's really been our mentality the whole time. It's like, whoever it is, whoever's up to bat, man, if I can't reach him, you're up to bat, your turn. Try to see if you can figure this out. Because mm. I would rather us as a whole work with our kids to be better than to say, I can't do it so nobody else can. You know how right. egotistical that is for parents to say something like that? Like sometimes parents, and I've, I've had that conversation with kids. No, I'm not really allowed to talk to people because my mom says that I can whatever, whatever. And I'm like, bro, that's an ego and a half, man. <laughs> like none of us know what we're doing, right? Nobody, there's not a, there's not a test you take before you become a parent. You're just ad living as you go. So why am I going to hinder my kids and make it worse for my kids if I can get people to help them out? It doesn't make any sense. I think it worked, like you said, that with you and your wife, you both have that level of humility to be able to ask help or exactly what you just said. I think some people have that pride of ownership of their children. Right. Like, you can't talk to Which my is, kid that way. <laughs> bro, it's, I can't. Uh, no, yeah. I, and it's wild to me. We don't own, we're going faith related here a little bit, right? All right. I, I, don't, I don't believe I own anything. I don't. None of it's mine. I may have worked for it and I may be blessed to have the things that we have. But it's not mine at the end, fam. Somebody else is going to own this, whatever this is, whatever it is. So to assume that I have ownership over another human being is wild. <laughs> like it's wild. And as a, I will attest to this. There are parents who will say, oh, you can't have, they can't take your phone up because if I need to call you this minute, I'm going to call you. And I'm like, you're going to deter your kid from getting an education, fam? Like <laughs> to ask them where your right. keys are or whatever nonsense that you need like why mm. like it's not that important I, I had a kid one time i didn't have her as a student it was years ago but when testing time comes around you do like rotations with different teachers and i i knew this kid and she told me straight up mr marino if i need to go to the bathroom i get to leave whenever i want and i was like no you don't why do you get to leave whenever you want and she straight up was like my mom told me that if I need to go to the bathroom, I don't have to ask anybody for permission. I could just go. And I was like, your mom is setting you up for failure. And I straight up told her that. And I was like, but if you need to go to the restroom, go ahead. I'll go to the restroom. <laughs> I was like, that's bonkers, fam. Like, why would you tell your kid? Like, you can't, like, I can only be the only one, bro. Yeah. Nobody, owns, no, nobody owns nothing at the end of the day, dude. We all, we all die. And we, we either, whatever, you know, belief system we have is what we happens, but like nobody, I'm going to have a house at one point, And when I pass away and my wife passes away, mm -hmm. if my kids take it, it's theirs. But guess what? When they die, it belongs to somebody else. We don't yeah. have ownership to anything. Yeah. So like, why are you being that like seclusive about like, oh no, this is mine and nobody else can have it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Especially with wow. your child. A hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, actually, it's funny. I'll tell a little inside story. We have my, my son, Kieran, he's two years old and he has several people that are like that in his life as that. He has an aunt and he also mm -hmm. has a, a Mimi who she mm -hmm. doesn't have her own grandchildren that she can see. So she's mm -hmm. basically adopted him and she's uh, she <laughs> she's the one that got him this uh, remote control car. So it's this yeah. little remote control car. So I don't have to roll around on my knees anymore. I use that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways. But yeah. yeah, that's when it comes to it. I was like, I love my son. But there's nothing going to stop me from letting somebody else love my son, family or not, right. blood or not. 
Right. You want to give right. my son a gift. If you want to show my son love, if you want him to grow up calling you Mimi, he will grow up calling you Mimi and you can love him yeah. as much as you want. And right. like you said, um, those integral steps also lead to greater, I guess, social awareness as they grow up and also self-identity. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. No, I agree with that. I think, I think, um, you know, we're, we're big on, um, we're big on culture. We're big on showing culture. You know, part of the reason that we love the exchange students is that we get to then visit them and they get to visit us and we get to learn about people. And, and, I, you know, my opinion is that like the more that you can grow a kid beyond what is in their general vicinity in the sense of their town or their neighborhood or whatever, if you can get them outside of that and experience more things, the better off the human being that you're cultivating if that makes sense. Um, it's just, it makes them a better person. Um, being that I teach at Freeport, there are people there who only know Freeport. Hmm. Like when they go on a trip or something, they finally get to Houston. They're like, oh my God, this place is huge. And it's just like, that's an hour, fam. I know. An hour. I think people yeah. outside of Houston, I mean, outside of Texas don't realize how big it is to where oh, people no. say, I've never been outside of Texas, but I've driven a good eight hours in one direction. And wonder, know, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's why that's why we never go anywhere. I mean, the closest out of state we go is either Louisiana or Mexico. Yeah, right? no, and no, we're no, very funny. limited in, in 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 thinking. Also, in our families, we were very limited right. in staying staying at home, staying nuclear, staying packed into where we're you know we grew up right. where we grew up, and we yeah, pretty yeah. much stay here. But we can say, no, I, you know, it's funny that you said about people not understanding Texas. Um, I, we don't do this, but every kid thus far, I think, has looked at our size and are amazed at it. So, like, we, um, we'll take we'll take um, we'll take Frida, who's from Sweden. Frida can drive four hours, and she's in another country. Yeah, a completely different culture, a different language, a different everything. Yeah. Four hours from here, I'm in San Antonio, fam. Like I'm not even <laughs> far. You know what I mean? Like it, and and and. That's what it is. We took a trip to the on the weekend to the valley. It takes six hours to get to the valley, and six hour trips for Julia, who's our kid from Switzerland. That they plan that months in advance, and they stay for a week and a half because it's like we just drove six hours. That's <laughs> wild, and we're like, "That's the valley, fam. We go on a Friday, come back on a Sunday, dude. You just get used to the drive." And then I realized seven of that was through straight nothing. There's nothing, just ranch, <laughs> yeah. and and just dry. Yeah, and so like being able to like and, and that's that's a lot of like a lot of you know having other people in our kids lives and in our lives that concept of village is is massive because like i said i think if you only know what you know because you've only been like you can only allow out of this box if this is the box that you're in then everything outside of it is foreign and doesn't make sense but if you expand that box and move the walls of that you become a better person right? You become more empathetic towards other people's plight. You get to learn about other people's viewpoints of things. And I think, I think where kids, we're going, we're going to go back a little bit to students, where they struggle with is that their viewpoint, like you said earlier, is of social media viewpoint, but not reality viewpoint. Yeah. So they all want to be million billionaires and they want all this thing and they want to be this and they want to make all the likes, but that's not real. That's not real. You're not going to meet your favorite person that you follow on TikTok. 
likelihood is you're not going to meet that person. You're not going to meet the person that you follow on Instagram that's famous. Your favorite YouTube person, you're not going to probably meet them. But you can meet some amazing people along the way that can grow you as a human being to then change your perspective of what you want and what you want to do with your life. And I think that should be the goal of every adult, every parent, every teacher when it comes to kids that really, you know, need that viewpoint of, yeah, it's a lot of it, dude. So tell me more about how you've opened your home to, like you said, Sweden. And uh, when, <laughs> yeah. when did that begin? When did, I mean, when did you? Um, so we currently are hosting our daughter, Ava, who is from the Netherlands. Um, she is our fifth daughter that we've had. Um, this started six years ago, seven years ago. It kind of fell in our laps a little bit weirdly. Um, we were in this phase of a married couple where we had our two boys and we had the idea of like, should we bring another person into this house? And it originally started with like, could we maybe foster? Which for the record, God bless anyone who has decided to ever foster in their life. But with two working professionals, it is damn near impossible to foster kids. And adoption is really expensive if you don't do the foster route. So we were thinking about it and it, it wasn't something that felt right for us, but we knew whether it be God or whatever, like we felt like it was time for us to open our house. So um, we, a friend of ours from our church had been hosting for like 20 years. And long story short, there was a kid who was in South, North Dakota. Sophie was in North Dakota. Sophie was in North Dakota. And she was leaving her home in North Dakota and she had a short amount of time to find a new home or she was going to have to go back to Denmark so that Mm. you know this. It costs European families probably 25 to 40 grand, depending on the situation and where you're from, what country you're at, whatever, for them to fly over here. There's no refund on that. If you get sent home, you don't get a refund. You just ate that money. Wow. And so she was like, our friend Becky came to us and was just like, there's this girl. She's in North Dakota. I think y'all have already done the process. Y'all are ready to go. Why don't you look at her? So she brought us this invitation, this uh, application. The application is like a 15 page document that they have to fill out. Um, and we probably held it for an hour and we called her and was like, bring her home. Mm-hmm. So the, that was on a Saturday. On a Monday, we FaceTimed with her for the first time. She was excited. We were excited. We picked her up. Um, probably the Thursday after, Thursday, Friday after. Um, and we had Anne Sophie in our house. And it was, it took about a day or two to figure out the dynamics of that. But yeah. she's the oldest and we consider her the oldest of the children. Like of all of our children, she's the oldest. She comes and visits all the time as much as she can. Um, she currently lives in Spain, but uh, is going to school. And let me tell you, the education system over there is way better. Um <laughs> She's going to school in Denmark, but is online in Spain while she's working, and it's all paid for. Now, wow. it's wild. Wow. Oh, I get so, what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So everything's paid for over there. Yeah. Um, so we got Sophie. Um, we had it. We we connected with her so much. We didn't take one the following year. We waited a year because it was, it was like a kid left, mm. like went off to college but far away. It was hard for us because we got so attached to her. Um, so skipped a year, then we had the following year, we had Miriam who was from Germany. 
Miriam was an is an angel, one of the like absolutely one of the nicest human beings you ever meet. Um, so she was with us. Um, her and JP were the same grade. They were in band together. Like it was a whole thing. They did theater together. They did a whole performance for one act. They both got awards for it. It was dope. <laughs> um, the following year, we got Frida, um, who was from Sweden. Um, she was the one that I connected to the most out of circumstance. I need you to understand something very important about hosting exchange students. Not every family does it the same way. In our viewpoint, if we're going to open our home to you, you are family, right? Mm. You're our daughter. There's no questions. I refer to Rosanna as mom. She refers to me as dad. Some of the kids call us mom and dad. Some of us call us mom and dad, not in front of each other, but to each other, if that makes sense. So like yeah. some of the kids will be like mom this, but they won't necessarily go like, hey, mom. It's weird, but it's one of the circumstances. But we 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 believe in that concept. Other people just like will tell their host children, like, you call me Mr. Jaime or you call me Miss Rosanna, and you're just here for the year, and then we'll communicate. We'll communicate. That's not our vibe. We have snap, snap streaks with all of our kids, like we talk to them all the time. So what happened was Miriam was really close to Rosanna and to JP. And so when Frida got here, it took Rosanna a little bit of time which I think was a natural thing. Frida was an athlete and she was in soccer and I was still coaching. So I was like, cool, <laughs> this was mine. And me and Joaquin got really close to her um, when she was here. Um, COVID happened that year. So we had to send her home early. So, you know, we try to do a lot of end of the year stuff. We go visit Austin, we go like whatever, whatever. It got cut short. And then we weren't allowed to get a kid the following year because of COVID. And then we got Julia who's from Switzerland last year. Um, amazing kid, super high level intelligent. I think she wants to come back to the States to go to school. She will probably get a free, free scholarship because she's that smart. Um, she like was making fives on AP tests that she didn't even need to take. And she just like took it, studied for like 30 minutes and would make a five, which is like the highest level that you can get. Um, so we had Julia last year and then this summer was dope, dude. So mm -hmm. Julia went home in June, like June 10th, we got Frida beginning of july she was here for basically all of july but she brought her family with her so we got to meet her mom and dad and her sister which was dope dude that's what i saw yeah bro that was so cool just to have them here like we knew them we had talked to them you know what i mean but like we've never seen them face to face and then miriam came and ava came all in the same week like ava and miriam came so we had all three of them three. together in the house at one point and they had one full day together and Frida wanted to go surfing. And so we found a surfing place in Freeport and we went to surf <laughs> and they surfed and that's what they hung out. And we just played games at night. Like it was great. Um, so yeah, I mean, Ava's been here, like I said, she got here in the end of July. Um, usually the way it works is they stay until they have on their J1 visa, they have 30 days after the graduation or the end of school. Um, uh, right now we're planning on hosting her family come April. Um, to be able to meet them. We've met Miriam's family. We met Frida's family. We've met Sophie's family, or Sophie's family. Uh, we didn't get to meet Julia's family, which we hope to do when we go up there next time, which I think we're going summer 24. Um, and then, yeah, Ava's family is supposed to be coming in, in April, May, somewhere in there, and we'll get to meet them. So it's, it's what we do, Doug. It's dope. I suggest that everybody do it. Anybody that listens to this, if you have any questions, you can contact me at <laughs> Got More Than All. Uh, zero five one nine at gmail. Bro, we'll bleep it. 
I I genuinely think that it's a great way to introduce culture to a family that if you don't have it, you know what I mean? Because these kids come over and they don't just get like an American culture. They get a, a like the Hano, like Mexican culture and, uh, along with, you know, what American culture is. So it's like a combo, which I think is great. <laughs> bro, they eat all the food. When they come say. down, bro, when they come down, my grandma, like my mom will be like, Mija, what do you want? And they'll be like, well, I want menudo or I want enchiladas or I want whatever. Uh, can you make tortillas for me? Whatever. And mom's like, sure, no problem. So she just like makes it whatever they want when they come down. Yeah, it's dope. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that, that's a beautiful, like you said, and you, you know, I can't imagine how you stepped into that or like you said, landed in your lap and you're doing it and, and it's, you know, bearing fruit mm-hmm. in their lives, bearing fruit in your children's lives. Yeah. And for sure. I think, you know, it's, it's, I feel like this is our mission. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people will do a lot of things when they feel like they're being pulled to a thing. Somebody will go to Kenya and, you know, plant a farm for a village or whatever, but like to, I think to us and our family, this is our mission. Like our, our thing that we do is we, we bring people into our homes and we love them like our own. And then we, grow a giant family that we 20 years ago would have never thought would have been the same you know what i mean um people in class you know people that separation church or state so you don't really get to talk about faith a lot mm-hmm. um you know people i've had i've had kids ask the question like how do i how do you think of yourself as like whatever like that you're christian and i always tell people it's like i i'm trying to walk the walk that i feel like i'm supposed to walk does that make sense um, and this is my way of, of, of being one of Jesus' people is like, I open my home to people and I learn because if I don't learn, how am I supposed to help the next person? If I don't learn, you know, how am I supposed to have empathy for whatever happens across the world? I, if I don't open my doors this way, I may have never learned about any of this. I would have never thought to go to Europe, but we went to visit Sophie in Denmark. We spent a week in Denmark. It was amazing, fam. Yeah. Like, and, and we just had to pay for flights because they, they hosted us, man. Like, they oh, just yeah. took care of us while we were there. It was like, they literally were like, you did this for our child. We want to do this for you. And they ran us ragged, dog. Like, they sent us everywhere. And, then we <laughs> nice. and it was dope, man. Because, like, again, I, I feel like if we're going to do this, we want to do this well. We want to do this and, and introduce a new person to our family and grow our family. And, and that's, been our, that's been our mission the entire time that we've been doing this. And it's... I'll say this, Joaquin's plan when he graduates in 2025 is he wants to backpack in Europe for mm. the summer. And I'm like, guess what? You have a sister everywhere. You just get, <laughs> yeah. to, one, get to one, the sister will take, like figure out a way to get you to wow. the other one. Like, and you'll just be able to live off people's couches or people's apartments. We dope. Oh man, I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine. Yeah, a sister in every uh, yeah, bro. country there. Yeah. 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 And I guess I want to go back before I end this, go back all the way to the beginning. You said you struggled when in, in high school just to graduate. Right. What year did you how old were you when you met your wife? When you met your wife? A good question. 
Are we talking relationship or new of her in relationship? We got married. I was 22 years old when I got married. Where'd you meet her? Uh, Ann Angleton. So we had, um, I'm sure you know who her brother is, Robert Soria. It was a grade younger than us. Um, but do you remember Maria Acuna and mm-hmm. that whole Acuna clan? Mm-hmm. So she's by marriage related to all of them. Okay. Um, and so uh, we knew each other my extra senior year. We, I knew her through people, mm-hmm. Maria or through Robert or whatever. And genuinely, we were friends. I thought of her as just a really good friend. I'd be like, hey, let's go grab a, something to eat at Whataburger. Let's go to the movie or whatever. And when we connected, I, I, the semester after I graduated high school at 19, I was in college, but I basically failed all my classes. And so um, I went and moved um, to Washington State with my family up in uh, the, they live north of Seattle, about an hour north of Seattle. And I was over there for about five months. And I would write her while we were gone. Okay. It's just like, hey, this is where life is right now. I got a job when I was there. Like, it was just like, whatever. I think she still has the letters to this day. Nice. And um, when I came back, I don't know what happened. But I think the first time ever, other than having a deep conversation with my aunt in Washington, when I came back, we hung out. And I just remember like opening up to her about like the struggles that I was having. And out of nowhere, this like a relationship happened. She was technically still in high school. I think she was a junior in high school. Um, I'm like four years older than her. Yeah. Although there's a time period that we're five years older, but she likes to rub in my face that I was an old man. Um, yeah. But yeah, dude, like she was one of the, she was honestly one of the first people that I felt comfortable enough to like tell her about how I felt about my dad. And one day we were like, two months into our relationship and I was like, you know, we're going to get married one day. Like, as a, like, this is like for real. That was, your, that was your move. That was your go-to yeah. move. Her response was like, yeah, I know <laughs> that was it. Like, and we just knew that that was going to be the thing. And we haven't looked back. It's been uh, 21 years total. We've been together 23, um, you know, in May will be 22 years. And it's been like every marriage, like there's been their like ups and downs. There's been yeah. difficult parts of it. Uh, year 10 really sucks for us. But um, we've worked really hard to like maintain a really good relationship. Open communication has always been the thing. Like if she needs to tell me something, she tells me and she doesn't hold back. And if I need to tell her something, I'm going to tell her and I'm not going to hold back. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a thing for me. I don't like pulling punches. Like I'm, I can be sometimes overly blunt, um, but sometimes it's needed. Um, but yeah, dude, it's, it's been, like I said, it's been, it's been a, a, roller coaster ride um i know that i am the person that i am today and i i know that the way that i influence the people that i influence today has everything to do with her and her influence on me and my ability to like her pushing me to that route oh i've got a doctorate fam and i'm her biggest cheerleader man like anytime yeah. she's gotten a degree i cry because i'm like i cannot be more proud of another human being for doing what you do um I've been contemplating going back to school because I think I really, my next step is probably to be in administration at a school. I think I want to be an assistant principal. Okay. And anytime I mention it to her, she's just like, what are you waiting for? Do it. Yeah. And I'm like, damn it. You're right. I need to do it. I'll say this real briefly, real quick. 
when I was there, I was at your wedding and I was like, why is he marrying this little girl? <laughs> and I was like, he's going to ruin her. And now I realize you, you married way above your grade. Oh, bro. <laughs> I outkicked my coverage beyond any necessity about giving my coverage, my fan, my man. Um, uh, yeah, and you know, I, I only I'm only interviewing you so I can you know interview her because she has, yeah. she has a PhD. I think she's the one that's actually more important. I know. I haven't. Um, that's <laughs> funny. Okay, uh, wait. I want to I want to end on mm -hmm. something. Yes, please. Um, I want to I want to quickly tell a story about a kid that I I had to have a deep conversation with last year. So the kid I've known since her freshman year, she's an amazing kid. Um her backstory and her trauma has a lot to do with like separation anxiety, um, not having a, a dad there essentially. Um, and a lot of really bad people in her life that she has filled as like the, the dad role. So um, she loved the kid. We, we would have really good conversations. And this is, this is going back to like my inability to pull punches. Like I'm going to, tell the street good um she got in trouble and should have been arrested because of her age because she had was in possession of a narcotic but this was her first time ever getting in trouble and so they were lenient on her because her boyfriend said it's not hers i asked her to hold it for me it was actually mine boyfriend went away he went off to juvie and then you know time at an alternative school he's back in campus now and she came in late to my class from this situation. And I had an off period at that, that, that class period. So I had a couple of kids in my classroom just like doing work, but they were doing it from another teacher. They were just like trying to get out of the class because it was loud and they were trying to do the work. So this kid walks in and I know I already know what happened because the principal had already mm -hmm. told me because she the principals knew I work with her a lot. So we're having this conversation and she says something to the effect of like, it doesn't really matter on a piece of shit. I don't know, know if I can cuss here, but she bet she said that or something like something to that effect. And I stop and I look at the other kids who are here. And it's like, I need you to get out of my class right now. Cause I need to have a conversation with this kid. And they get up and they immediately leave. And I close the door mm -hmm. and I get in this kid's face and I'm like, everyone is tired. Everyone is tired of doing everything they can to help you out, and you keep it up. Mm. And she starts crying. I was like, "No, I, this ain't gonna work, fam." I was like, "I don't care about your tears right now. I need you to know that everyone here wants the best for you, but you keep making choices that puts you in a bad position to be successful in life." At the time, she was talking to a Marine recruiter because her plan was to go into the Marines to help pay for college. She wants to be a kindergarten teacher. And I was like, you cannot do what you're doing and be in the military. You cannot do that. If you have a felony on you, they won't take you. And then what are you doing? I was like, let me be real. You're going to be like your brother who I've worked with. And I'm sad that he is the way he is. I was like, you have more potential than him he ever had. But because of the choices that you're making, you're going to be like your brother. And she's like bawling and bawling and bawling. And I like rip into her, bro. And I don't hold any punches. And I tell her straight up, you're way better than this. And at the end of it, I tell her, 
I'm not giving up on you, but I'm not gonna, I'm not going to use my power in this school to get you out of trouble anymore. You're on your own, but if you need me, I'm here. Mm. And she looks up at me and I start crying for what she says. So she says to me, I'm so thankful that you're like my dad because I don't have one. And she hugs me and she holds on to me and she is bawling. She's like, thank you for being my dad. Thank you. She keeps saying it over and over again. And I'm losing it at the same time. I'm crying as well with her because I don't, I don't, I've never had a kid say that to me. I've had kids say, you're like a father figure to me, or I appreciate you because you're a really positive adult. I've had kids say that I love that you're my mentor. I've never had a kid say, you're my dad right now. And I lost it. And I write her a pass to go to the, to the restroom and I write her a pass to her next class and she leaves and I can't stop crying <sighs> because to, that's the realness of this job. That's the realness of what I do because the reality is I'm dad. The hat the education wears, the educators wear is teacher. It's probably the only adult that cares. It's dad, it's uncle, it's older brother. It's mentor. It's for some kids, because I've baptized kids, it's pastor. Mm. Like it's all the hats that we wear, dude. And I'm never going to pull punches on a kid because if I need to tell a kid what it is, I'm going to tell him what it is. And if that means I have to be a dad in that big, in that moment for that kid, I'm okay with it. If that means I get to be the mentor in that kid, I'm okay with it. If it means that I have to hear all of the ugly for that kid, I'll, I will, I'll take that on, man, because it's, I genuinely feel like it is my mission in life is to be in those places and to hear those conversations and to be there for those kids. If I'm not there, I don't know who will be there. So as long as I can do it and as long as it doesn't beat me up and as long as I don't hurt mm-hmm. to like an extent that I can't mm-hmm. do it anymore, I'm going to be there, dude. Mm-hmm. Because for a lot of these kids legitimately, some of us educators that are in those buildings are it. That's all they got. And I think that is why we do what we do. That's why I do what I do. I'm going to be there for them because I feel like I can, I'm, I'm one of the few, I think part of it is because of the trauma that I've had equals I understand the trauma and I can be empathetic to the trauma. Amen. Yeah, you're that. Amen. Yeah, you're that. You're fulfilling a lot of, a lot of who you are, like I said as and now i didn't understand i didn't know the full story of yeah you how far you've reached into their lives and how far you're opening up them and becoming that wounded healer that, yeah that they and also a, a, a loving father figure that they need yeah it's a wonderful story i, I knew I, I struck gold when you agreed to oh, uh, man. <laughs> to uh allow me to interview you um, yeah, for sure. I, I knew you had done a lot i i didn't know the depth of it and yeah. you're a perfect guest for the meaningfulistic podcast and i appreciate it man i appreciate it all right you have a good night brother thank you you too brother all, all right, right. Bye.